Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golick Jr. here, Mike Golick Sr., Emerson Lazio, holding it down in the DraftKings studio in Boston for us. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you guys, as always. Download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that rating, and check us out Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on DraftKings YouTube, DraftKingsNetwork.com, and Samsung TV+. Plus. Uh, we've got couple of great guests for you today. Richard Sherman, future Hall of Famer, right? Richard Sherman's going oh, to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. NFL I, 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 absolutely. Yeah, member yeah. from the 2010s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now currently an analyst on Thursday Night Football on Prime. Going to stop by with us here. I can't imagine what the group chats were like of the old Legion of Boom watching Russell Wilson <laughs> get 70 hung on his head with the Broncos this weekend. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I I was thinking about that when, when I knew we were going to have him on. It, it feels like a lifetime ago at the Legion of Boom, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, the, what they did, what that defense was. Remember, people, Dan Quinn was there running that defense, <laughs> you know, now running the Cowboys defense. And that what, what it, it, that was a great name for them, Legion of Boom, because they did, they laid down the boom. That was back when, before we started changing some of the rules that oh. we did uh, of what they brought to the table. We'd seen a lot of that decades ago, but they're the they're kind of the last bastion of just DBs that when you went against them, you were either getting covered, you know, like like flypaper, or you were getting smoked if you got the ball or tried to get the ball. And man, that that was they were a fun group to watch. Do you think I they share th Russell Wilson memes in their group chat? Have to, yeah, have to. <laughs> Based on, yes. like, I wonder if that's cooled off because a couple of years ago, especially when the trade was getting ready to go down or Russell Wilson was getting ready, 
to head to the Broncos, there were a lot of really raw emotions and it felt like every former Seahawk kind of had something to say. Yeah. I wonder if it's less so now because Russ is just kind of like, he's been fine this year, but the team is really bad. I don't know. What I do know, Dad, is what you brought up. I saw a bunch of early 2000s highlights from the NFL that got shared around and there was a lot of Cam Chancellor that made oh. its way in there. I'll never forget uh, Kyle McCarthy was a captain for us, played safety at Notre Dame, is now a great agent over at Athletes First. And he was in the same combine class as Cam Chancellor. They both played the same position. And he said, in the combine, you get the number on your jersey, and it's the order you're at in the grouping. And he was one behind Cam Chancellor doing every drill. And he said... I'm never going to get drafted if everyone's looking at him and then looking at me because we don't even look like we're a part of the same species, let alone play the same position in the same sport because Cam Chancellor was a certified space alien coming out and dispensing justice back in the day. I mean, that dude, 6'3", 225. And, and, and back in, in my era, we had a guy uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals, David Fulcher, who was about a 240-pound Safety. I mean, and also remember Erlacher at New Mexico State was a safety at like 240, 250 before he dropped to linebacker. But that crew, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Brandon Browner, uh, Walter Thurman, Byron Maxwell. I mean, they were and, and to see them start to break up, too. You know, they were getting Nick some. It reminded me of when I say the Philly defense I was on, I would say our defense because I was on that defense, but not one of the people that I'm naming here. I wouldn't include my name with the, the greats on that Eagle defense, but that was the shame there as well when what are the reasons it has to break up and nothing lasts forever. But, you know, in, in 93, that's when free agency started and our owner, then Norman Brayman, decided not to re-sign anybody. That's when it all started to break up, you know, for that defense that we had and for these those guys in Seattle, that secondary they had. There's always reasons, and as I said, nothing lasts forever, but wow, were they fun to watch. Until what the Legion of Boom to- was exposed by the Patriots' game plan in that Super Bowl loss. It, I mean, wow. it is amazing what they yeah. were. I mean, a game that they still will maintain they should yeah. have won if you just yeah. handed the ball off. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and did the right thing there with Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. And speaking of exposed, I mean the Super Bowl before when they played the Broncos. Good night. Oh, but yeah. we won't. We'll try and resist the urge to go full Chris Farley show with Richard Sherman when he joins us here <laughs> yeah, in yeah. just a few minutes. We'll also talk. It's a Wednesday. Charlotte Wilder is going to join us for the second hour. Oddball's very own, our dear friend, is going to be around with us, breaking down some of the mind blowing numbers around Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. But Dad, let's talk about one of the defenses that had a player. Try- Trying to utter its name in the same breath as the Legion of Boom, because we've mentioned the frustration that has to be mounting in that New York Jets locker room. You've got a defense that felt like it was on all world trajectory, and you've got an offense that after Aaron Rodgers injury has been struggling mightily. This feels like the meme of the um, Pawn Stars, where it's like, hey, listen, I can't do uh, Kirk Cousins for you, but I can give you Trevor Simeon. Yeah. Yeah. Does this Trevor Simeon signing do anything for you if you're a member of the New York Jets defense or the rest of this team that's been watching the offense struggle? So, I mean, there, there's a couple of things here is is that, listen, the defense has not been playing like an all-world defense. I mean, certainly statistically not, but they're going to have to be relied on and more pressure is going to have to be on them than, than, you know, normally would, you know, that they thought they were going to have uh, with Aaron Rodgers, giving up over 350 yards a game, you know, getting run on for what are they getting run on for? 129 yards a game. I mean, it, it's 
they they need and and I they have the ability because we talked about them going in as we thought they could be one of the top defenses, but I think they even realize that they're going to have to pick up the slack even more. And I mean, I, you know, I don't think Trevor Simeon was the name we thought. Now, the one thing that you have to look for is learning new systems. He was with Nathaniel Hackett in Jacksonville, so he knows the system, so he can come in a smart player uh, as well, so he could pick up the offense. And that's always a fear if you bring somebody in who hasn't been part of, you know, this offense, they have to learn it. Uh, but Zach Wilson was going to be the starter anyway, so I think a guy could have, have learned it over time. Yeah, not the guy I thought of. He's lost his last six consecutive starts. He's 13 and 17, 42 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. A, a lot is being made, Mike, just of, of the backing that Salah has given to Zach Wilson. And I get it. I mean, I get you have to do that. But if it's to the point of worrying about his feelings that you don't want to bring in somebody that he may be threatened by or we start to worry about that, that's where you lose me. Uh, you know, this is this is pro ball. It ain't about feelings anymore. And I don't know if that's where it's at, but well, we it sounds see- like according to yeah, so Rich Samini, the ESPN yeah. Jets reporter, said yesterday in his report that the defense in particular is not happy about this, said tensions were on the rise in that locker room. And this is the sentiment, Dad, kind of at the core of what you're saying is what Rich mentioned, is that there's this idea that if anybody else on the team were performing as badly as their, at their job as Zach Wilson is at his right now in a different position, they would be replaced. It would be handled a lot differently than we see. And this is something you and I have talked about a lot how people seem to treat this position in quarterback in particular with kid gloves and how they organize that room or how they go about organizing reps like this. Yeah, completely agree. And listen, we're to the point. Let's, let's all be honest here. Zach Wilson is not the future quarterback of the New York jets. Okay. Even if Aaron Rodgers comes back next year and can't do it, they're going to have somebody else or they should have somebody else ready to go. So, and, and, You've heard me over the over the deck a couple of decades, Mike. I am I am not one of these, you know. Let's worry about you know how how is his feelings or you know what it's going to do to him mentally. It, it, will he be able to play? You know, is it going to is it going to affect him? I don't want to hear it. You know, this is about production. That that's what this league is about. That's what pro sports is about. You produce or you get replaced. So, I, and if that's a reason they didn't get a quote-unquote, better quarterback. Now, again, it's not like you're pulling any Hall of Famer, you know, into your lineup right now. But if you didn't go in after somebody better because you're worried about Zach Wilson, you know, feeling threatened, then that's on Robert Sala. Again, I know that's the report out there. That doesn't mean that's the truth that we know it. I'm just saying if that's the way the thought process is, I'm so, so against that right now. And, And as far as the defense, listen, we went through this when Randall got hurt back in 91 and we had the top defense we thought that was our Super Bowl year and we went through the Brad Gables and Jeff Kemp's and Pat Ryan's of the world and the offense couldn't do anything yeah let me tell you tensions were high you know offense running off the field after you know not doing anything and us running back onto the field again there would be stairs there would be there would be stuff in the locker room there would be fights I mean you know all the A personalities we had on that team it it wasn't good and I could see that going on because the Jets while statistically aren't showing it right now and aren't the most dominant defense, they do have an excellent defense and they have to pick up all the slack because the offense isn't doing anything. So tensions will get very high and and uh, between offense and defense, obviously we see the tensions going on with offensive players and coaches on the sidelines, which we'll get to as well.
Yeah, absolutely. But you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, the injury that prompted all of this. We've heard a lot of noise around this team. You had Joe Namath coming out and saying what he had to say in the media about this the other day. Aaron Rodgers did his weekly hit on Pat McAfee's show, looking like recovering from his Achilles injury, and talked about what this Jets team needs going forward. This is what teams have to go through. You know, there, there's there's adversity points in every season. This year it's happening early and people are coming coming for us. Uh, and there's, you know, some uh, heated conversations on the sideline and different things. I think we need to hold our poise a little bit better across the, uh, really just offensively. You know, you know, there's been, I think, too many little side conversations and we just need to grow up a little bit um, on offense and, and lock in and do our jobs, everybody, and not point fingers at each other. And that's everybody. I did love, and I saw most of this interview live, how far Aaron went out of his way to make sure he was just pointing the finger at the offense. Yeah. Because, yes. Dad, I think he realizes that for those guys on defense, so much of the name they made for themselves last year was just what you said, dealing with turnover, sudden change, all these things that put them in a bad spot. They weathered the storm. And I'm sure mentally for a lot of those guys, the lift was, oh, man, this year it's going to be different. We're yep. going to get yep. a little help. We're going to get to turn it loose. And now it's that same old familiar specter creeping back into the picture. And Aaron looking at this situation, understandably going, oh, those dudes are balling in adverse circumstances, even if the stats don't reflect it. I ain't talking about them. Yeah, I'm talking about us over on offense. I agree, because I think this defense is better than their stats. You know, they've yeah. given up 22, 30, and 15, but the offense has scored 16, 10, and 10. Uh, or I'm sorry, 22, 10, and 10. Uh, so the, actually, the, the defense, you're right. Sometimes you look at stats, it doesn't tell the story, but their stats haven't been great. But they're they're easily the best part of this team, and – you know, the, the the part you definitely want on your side. But the stuff on the sideline, listen, I mean, that's so much frustration. It's tough to not do that, especially when the expectations for this team were so high. Four plays in, it's gone. Now three games in after those four plays, it's one and two. You got the Chiefs coming up. Offense isn't doing anything. There's going to be frustration. I never – not that you want it every week, but I, I never concerned myself, you know, in this case with a Garrett Wilson uh, getting animated on the sideline, running back Michael Carter uh, yelling at his uh, running back coach Taylor Embry, them getting at it. I, I never put much into that. Now, as I said, you don't need to see it every week, but every now and then it's going to happen. And I can understand the frustration going on in that offense, thinking what they were or what they could have been to what they're back to being again right now. And for those that are Talking about the Jets, I know Joe Namath came out and said Salah should be gone, Douglas should be gone, you know, so many players should be gone. It's amazing that when Aaron Rodgers was picked up there, everybody, and they started bringing in the, the, the pieces around him, everybody thought this was a Super Bowl or a high playoff team, right? With the talent on defense, the talent on offense, and now you lose the one player and now people are like, sell everybody, you know, get rid of everybody. It's like, this was, this was a good team that was put together, and unfortunately, the key part of it got hurt, and now you have to deal with that, and it's not pretty right now. But, boy, just saying get rid of everybody right now is crazy. But this ship, where this ship goes is, is on Robert Sala and the leaders of those teams. And if, in fact, we'll go back to it, revert back to it, if that part of it is true, that and players know it, Players know what's going on. If they believe there's a little too much going on that side to the quarterback and not really trying to get somebody out there uh, that may help be able to help the team a little more, and they're just not doing it to protect, 
that's going to be an issue that the players are going to absolutely know about. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. And I think for coaches, we saw Rob Sala get up during hard knocks and chastise the offensive line after bad practices and hold people accountable. That doesn't go nearly as far if all of a sudden you feel like that's selectively applied or applied in ways that don't make sense given the performance that everybody can see. So that's going to be fascinating. Joe Namath, the more I think about it, Dad might have just been fighting back for all the 80-year-olds that got attacked in the media this week. Someone's got to put on for their city right now. So octogenarians... (laughs) Stand up. Joe Namath is your champion there. Dad uh, and Emerson, uh, I should say, it wouldn't be a conversation about quarterbacking in the NFL if we didn't also get the headline about Colin Kaepernick mixed somewhere into this. And we got that yesterday in the most interesting way possible in a while. A letter that was reportedly sent to the New York Jets and Joe Douglas and this news broken and released by rapper and musical artist Jay Cole. Yeah, Mike, Joe Namath uh, ain't walking through that door, buddy, but maybe Colin Kaepernick will. So part of this letter that surfaced yesterday reads in part, I know that there are currently depth issues at the position, and I've heard the backup spot is likely to be filled by a veteran quarterback. As much as I would love the opportunity to fill that spot, I'm writing you in hopes that you can imagine a much different approach involving me. I would be honored and extremely grateful for the opportunity to come in and lead the practice squad. So once one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL here, Junior, he's begging NFL teams to play on the practice squad. He's almost 36 years young. In my opinion, kind of the mere fact that this letter actually surfaced and came to light makes it even less likely the Jets will offer him an opportunity. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think we're so far past the conversation about Colin in the NFL. Like, it's just, this is a time thing now. His plight and what he went through at the moment, I absolutely sympathized. We all saw the situation. We knew it had nothing to do with football at that point and that the reasons he was off the field were reasons that now, in hindsight, the people involved who were on the decision-making side in the NFL seem to talk more openly about the fact that, yes, that was wrong. We've heard as much from Roger Goodell and a bunch of the leadership. So I am always and will always be sympathetic to Colin's plight because I do think he was on the right side of history in a lot of ways in those things. But, Dad, it's been like six or seven years now. He mentioned he's in his mid-30s and hasn't played football in all that time. It's just not realistic anymore and probably hasn't been for a while. So while I think it was an incredibly well-worded letter, anyone out there looking to write a resume and get it out to a potential employer should take note. The tone here, everything about it was A1, but I just don't think the football conversation's realistic with him anymore no i completely agree the letter i was surprised when i read it i thought okay he's gonna say hey i can come in and help your team and be the man and but no 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 i'll be the practice squad i'll prepare the defense i thought the letter was incredibly well written and and i understand what you're saying about you know what he did and how he certainly got blackballed from the league now now let's cover both sides he had a part in that well a part in that as well in how he handled some of the situation when the workout was set up uh, when other things and, and some of the things he did in the protest that he made really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So some of it I understood. Some of it I thought went too far. He did like in the NFL the slavery. So a lot of people are saying, why do you want to come back if that's what you call the NFL? So there are two sides to that. But the football yeah, but I, side. I, I still think ultimately he was blackballed from the league was. for reasons that had nothing to do for performance. So he should have been playing football. For that part, you're 1000 percent correct. 
what teams didn't want to deal with. And I would say the same thing here because you're right. From a football standpoint, he absolutely should have been on somebody's team and would have been playing. But teams didn't want owners, I should say. And we yeah, know the difference of say. owners in these players. I won't say teams. I'll say owners. And we have talked about this. We all we all know the problems we have in the NFL with some of the older owners here. They didn't want, and I still think it would be, because a lot of people would read that letter and say, yeah, look, what 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 harm can it cause? He's on the practice squad. It's, you know, it's no distraction. But just what owners don't want is they think he would be a distraction. And all of a sudden, the spotlight would be on him. And then what if they brought him in and what if they cut him? The team would get ripped. And, and what would go on with that? So it's not even – it back then it wasn't – you're right, it wasn't his football that he got blackballed for. And that was wrong. But now he's just been out too long. And I just don't think any team's going to say it's worth – What's going to come along with it? Not how we would play as a player, but everything else that would come along with it. Maybe, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, the last couple of years, maybe if he would have said, I want to play so bad, I'll go play in one of these other leagues, USFL, XFL, just to show you that I can still play. I don't know if that would have helped. I don't know if that would have hurt. I have no idea, but I do not think a team, in this case, the Jets, are going to sign him. What I do know is he listed a bunch of references on yes, this resume did. that included Mark Davis, who listened with a banged up Jimmy Garoppolo right yeah. now. Maybe it's another call that you can make on the way. Coming up next, we'll make the call to Richard Sherman to look ahead to Thursday night football and some reactions to headlines around the league next here on Gojo and Golik. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. All right, back here on Gojo and Golik. Thirsty Thursday night football tomorrow night. Pairing up a couple NFC North rivals. Let's go, baby! The Lions aiming for their second straight win in Lambeau Field against the Packers, who are more than likely very motivated after Detroit ended their season last year. And the Packers, how about this note, Gojo? 28-4 against the Lions in the state of Wisconsin since 1992. But again, that does not include Week 18 last season. Yeah, for all the talk, Dad, about Aaron Rodgers, you know, he texted Jordan Love after the Bears win and made the joke about transferring ownership there or maintaining ownership. For all they have had there, that was one of the more embarrassing ways to end a season and oh. really to end a tenure that we've seen in a while for Aaron Rodgers. And what's kind of fitting into that Lions narrative about that plucky underdog team and what they had been versus what they're trying to be now. Well, listen, I called that game. I was there. And, oh, and, yeah. I, and I had, remember, I, I had talked about 
how empty a field was. You know how you and I like to go on the field for the respective games we're calling to talk to players and coaches. I was down on that field and no players were out. Maybe the kickers were out, but nobody else was out. They were all in the locker room watching Seattle play because that was going to everything in this game was going to be based off that result. And from that result, uh, obviously the Packers still had a shot and right there at home and and Detroit just beat them, flat out beat them. So, you know, as far as motivation, listen, that was our own fault, you know, of, of letting that happen. And and more kudos, I should say, to Detroit. And just it just added to our arrow up factor on them going into this year of how they closed that season out. It was a great game for them. And listen, off of just one loss this year and the trajectory is is high right now. But this is a big game. I mean, you know, Emerson just gave us the record of what Green Bay has at Green Bay. So uh, Detroit has to go in and and do this again if they want to start being, you know, thought of as, okay, we're one of the top teams in the division and then try and move forward from that. Dad, did you have a team that you guys played when you were in the league where there was kind of a mental hurdle? Because, well, I don't know if it necessarily exists just with this team because they beat them last year, like we're all talking about, but – for the Lions, they're a road favorite in this game, heading to Lambeau. We just saw that up there. Like, this is a team in Detroit that's trying to show it can be the best team in the division now. It can make and go and take that mantle from a Green Bay team that's played pretty well, that got a dramatic win in Jordan Love's first start at home at Lambeau as the quarterback of that team. This does feel like a kind of get-the-monkey-off-your-back situation if you're Detroit, where you can go out in a big-time game, prime-time setting, and say, we're going to be the team of choice in this division now. Yeah, I mean, you you have teams where you you that you have they have something on you, whatever it is. Even where you're on the sideline during the game, you're even if things are going well, you're kind of waiting for that shoe to drop because you know you've struggled against this team. You have their number, Giant, uh, or we had the Giants' number for a bit. Washington had our number for a bit. It would flip flop sometimes, but it would yeah make you think on the sideline at times. Uh oh, you know we're in a good position right now. What's going to happen? Something usually happens against this team that costs us, and you're just trying to stay away from it. So yeah, mentally you do think about it if some team kind of has your number. Uh, for more on that and what we're going to see in Thursday Night Football and around the rest of the league, excited to welcome in now former All-Pro and Super Bowl champion and current member of the TNF on Prime analyst crew, as well as on Undisputed over on FS1. Richard Sherman joining us now here. What's going on? Not much. Another day in paradise, baby. Yeah. All day, every day. Uh, Richard, we are just talking about that that mental hurdles. We get a division game coming up on Thursday night. For the Detroit Lions here, trying to show their that team to beat there. How real is that factor? Do you think in that locker room? Uh, I mean, it's a different team. You know, I think this team is is one of those teams that's too dumb, too young, young and dumb to know any better. And that's the that's that's the beautiful thing about it. It was just like last year when when Seattle won the game, and then everything was was riding on Detroit and Green Bay. And if Green Bay wins that game, they go to the playoffs. And if they lose, they don't. And everybody's saying, oh. Detroit has nothing to play for. They they have nothing to play for. They're just going to mail it in. And, of course, they did not. They went on to win that game and make sure Green Bay did not go to the playoffs that year. And I, that may have been their Super Bowl, may have been their championship, may have been the thing that got them over the hurdle. Uh, so I don't think they're going to have any of that going into that game. So looking at this Green Bay team, especially the quarterback, you go Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. That worked out pretty damn well. Aaron Rodgers now to Jordan Love, who is outside of his completion percentage, has has played pretty well. What have been your thoughts to him early? I agree. I agree. I think he's played really well. Uh, I think he's thrown the ball really well. He's been accurate. His footwork looks a little sloppy at times. Um, 
kind of similar to Aaron's, you know, but Aaron yeah. was Aaron. So he, <laughs> yeah. he could get away with it, but you can tell he was, he, he, he sat behind Aaron. I, I'm sure we could, if we look back at Brett Favre, we could see some of Brett Favre's bad habits um, that Aaron Rodgers committed. But I think overall, I think they got a good one. Uh, I wasn't sure about him. I was not a believer initially when they moved on from Aaron. I did not think, Hey, they're going to do it again. Uh, but he's played solid. Like you said, his completion percentage needs to improve for sure. Uh, and I think that may may get to him, you know, maybe an Achilles heel later in the season when, when people start to catch some of the errant passes that he's throwing. You know, that he threw a interception last week, I believe. But, yeah, I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, he showed a very clutch gene down the stretch last week that he didn't show in Atlanta. Uh, that was impressive. What about on the other side? Jared Goff's a quarterback you've got a ton of familiarity with. How different does he look? Is this a better quarterback than the guy you saw all those years in the NFC West? Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a better quarterback than he was when I saw him his rookie year. Uh, but he looks about like he looked uh, with Sean McVay and uh, L.A. Rams. He played really good football. I don't think people ever gave him credit because they gave Sean all the credit. You know, they said, hey, Jared Goff isn't a great player. It's just Sean Sean McVay pulling the strings and, and making these passes and doing all that. And, of course, Sean went on to replace him with Stafford. He came here, and he's still very consistent. If he gets his feet set and he gets a clean pocket, He's, he's a pretty good quarterback in the National Football League. He's going to get the ball where it's supposed to be. It's going to be accurate. It's going to be on time. Uh, so he, he deserves a ton of credit. It's about keeping him clean. And that D Detroit offensive line has improved over the years uh, in doing it. Richard, let's go around the league a, a little bit here. Obviously, headlines with the New York Jets. And there's the Colin Kaepernick issue, which, which we could talk about. But the, from the quarterback position, as a player, take us back into the locker room. If reports are true, and we don't know if they're not, I, I talked about this earlier, but if your head coach is somewhat protecting your quarterback to not feel threatened by not bringing in a more viable backup that could be ready to go, the rest of the team, talk about how the rest of the team may sense that and what effect that may have on the locker room. It's definitely going to cause some frustration <laughs> and some angst, uh, especially among defensive players. You know, they, they felt like they've done their jobs. Uh, they held New England to 15. Uh, they, they've held offenses relatively in check as best you can when your offense isn't is is getting put to three and outs majority of the time. They're not holding on to the ball very long. So I think there's definitely some frustration. And then there's some like all is lost moments as a defense where you're just like, I'm sure the Denver Broncos went through it last year where it's just like, hey, our offense can't figure it out. We're winning games 10 to 11. It, it's got to be wild. Speaking of that Denver Broncos offense, what was that like watching that happen? I mean, obviously, you're very familiar with Russell Wilson, and really, he wasn't totally the problem in that game. Have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, I mean, I haven't seen 70 points in an NFL game, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and and that wasn't the Denver offense that, that gave up 70 points. So that was the more concerning thing. That was a defense that at times last year looked like a number one, number two level defense, um, had really good players. And still, Patrick Sertan was out there. Justin Simmons didn't play, but – I mean, it's it's really concerning because you're like, how did how did they fall off the cliff this bad? They were a top five, top ten defense last year. Now they're 32 in almost every category, and a lot of the same guys are still there. So um, you just wonder what Vance Joseph is doing with those guys, and is he motivating them? Is he putting them in positions to be successful? Richard, we appreciate the time. We're looking forward to this game coming up. Uh, thanks so much. Everyone, again, can continue to check you out on so many of the great shows you're a part of. We appreciate the time, man. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, Richard.
Thank you. Uh, Dan, I mean, listen, that 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 frustration, I think he's absolutely right yes. with how the rest of the team could perceive that. Oh. Especially, we had built it up so much. They were the story of the offseason here. And if there's any player that knows a little bit about feeling like the quarterback might be getting treated differently than everybody else, <laughs> it was certainly Richard Sherman and the Legion of Boom. Yeah, we could have we could have used an hour with Richard there. There was there was so much to get to, but in so many of the parallels, you know, them having, you know, the type of defense they had, you know, the Jets having the defense that, you know, that they have. And when you're looking at the other side of the ball saying, you guys got to do something for me here. Now, they did obviously win a Super Bowl. They go to Super Bowl. So there, there certainly was some success there, though, in Seattle. Yeah, no, something tells me they're still going to be able to eventually look back on that and feel pretty good. Coming up next, let's head back to college. A changing of the guard at the top of the Heisman Trophy race coming off an epic weekend of ranked-ranked matchups next here on Gojo and Golden. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yo, how about this? First time this season, we're like four games in, that (laughs) Caleb Williams is not the favorite to win the Heisman, gentlemen. That right now, that distinct honor goes to Michael Penix Jr. of Washington, plus 360. Caleb Williams still right behind him, top of the board, plus 400. The Pac-12 Jr., is the conference of quarterbacks this season in 2023. There's no question about it. Penix Jr. threw four games, I believe only two picks, 16 touchdowns, and close to 1,700 passing yards. Now, the road ahead does not get easier, but nothing right now says that this guy is going to be slowing down. Who gets your vote right now through four weeks? Oof, man, through four weeks, Dad, I feel like after this weekend, too, I don't know what it was because Washington played Cal, which wasn't a barn burner. You know, people have respect for, you know, Wilcox and what that program's been. But a 59-32 win over Cal combined with the rest of the results of the weekend, as I think had some resurgent Washington Huskies talk at the top of the national media, I think they got a couple of first place votes in the AP poll this year or this week when they did. Uh, the voting yeah. came out. Yeah. I would probably still lean the incumbent Caleb Williams. And dad, this is going to be one of those things where styles make fights yeah. because we know the way Caleb plays can be a little more off script. I saw Todd McShay was on with Rosillo the other day and did the Mahomes comps, which I think are accurate. Like, I I think as far as what he's doing in college football, it's not an inaccurate comp, but for Michael Penix Jr. and that Washington offense, they've been a buzzsaw through the first portion of the season here. Give Kalen DeBoer and company credit. They have a great scheme there, but you got a quarterback with a howitzer throwing to three future NFL wide receivers. It's been fun to watch. 
And listen, that's been a big thing for them. 2,000 yard receivers and both have come back this year. So his arsenal remained full. And they're a big play team. You know, that that's how they roll. It's showing for over 1,600 yards, 400 more, over 400 more than uh, Caleb Williams. Now he's throwing the ball, I think, 30-some more times in those games. Caleb Williams actually has a higher rating, 223 to 209. But you mentioned touchdown 16-2 and two for Penix, 15 and no interceptions for Caleb Williams. And nothing like, you know, you were a, you were a, you're a Heisman voter, correct? Oh, I am. I, I were. <laughs> Buddy, oh, I am. I, I meant am. Right? I didn't mean were. I'm sorry. I don't, <laughs> just throw don't, that out. don't you try and steal that's, my vote from me. That's, all right? that's my fault. I understand you, some people want to poo-poo and act like, no, I respect the Heisman Trophy. I respect the trust. I am a proud member yeah. of this, and you will give me the respect I'm owed. So I will. I, I have apo- you don't. I apologize. I'm not as big a fan of the Heisman. It's just you call it another quarterback award, pick a great quarterback and name it after that because that's what it always is. Unless you're uh, an enlightened voter like me who had Blake Corum <laughs> as third in the Heisman ballot. Well, there you go. Okay, so we need more enlightened voters like you. But so let me ask you as a voter, when you're – and we'll just stick with these two right now – how much do you put on head to head? They play November fourth. Yes. So how much? How much of your voting thought process goes to what they do against one another? Um, you know, it's like we always talk about with quarterbacks, and we used to do this with the Brady Peyton Manning matchup. Is they're not playing against each other, right. so right. I'm not going to overweight that too much. But it's about quality opponents, and that's what they're going to get out of that matchup. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, seeing these eye popping numbers early in the season is box checked. Right, you're coming out, you're playing clean, you're blowing out the opponents you're supposed to blow out. But for both of them, the advantage for everyone who's watching from a voting perspective and even from a fan perspective is. We're going to get to see them go best on best in the middle of the Pac-12 schedule we've talked about where everybody plays everyone, where Washington plays Oregon coming up soon. They play SC. They play Utah right after that. They play Oregon State after that. You're going to get to see them a bunch of, against a bunch of grown-up football teams and get to judge based off that, and that's going to make this conversation really easy because, Dad, I can already tell you how this is going to go. We've watched Heisman voting fluctuate a lot in recent weeks here. What's coming up this weekend? Washington's getting ready to play a little Pac-12 after dark. Right. They've got Arizona State, um, or excuse me, they've got Arizona coming up this weekend. They're on the Pac-12 network, and they're playing a 7 o'clock Pacific, 10 o'clock Eastern kickoff there. Very few people are going to pay attention to or watch that by and large versus USC, who's getting ready to play at Colorado (laughs) on the noon Eastern kick on Fox. And they're going to blow the doors (laughs) off them. Like, we know... Colorado's going to be able to put up points because everyone's been able to put up points so far against this SC defense. But Caleb Williams and company, there aren't enough points you could give as far as what I think they could potentially score based off what they've done. And because it's Colorado and because of the renewed attention around this program, you're going to see SC get a lot of light shown on them. And that's going to include Caleb Williams. I would be stunned if he is not back number one in the Heisman odds come this time next week after that game. Heisman odds are one thing, but then what you're basically saying, it comes down to you and those like you who are voting to not let that come into play. So odds can be whatever they are, but that shouldn't affect the voters, right? That shouldn't affect you and all the other voters on what time anybody plays. I don't want to hear that I didn't see Penix play because it was too late. I mean, oh, if no, you're a listen. voter, that's right. And I don't oh, mean you. I'm brother, just saying. Brother, listen, oh. we, we over here in the we, Heisman voters, well, we do boy. our homework, all right? Wow. These, all of these them? Do you know that? Accusations that wow. somehow anyone would not be watching the football games, the players they're going to vote for. Here. That's shameful by so, you. So, I feel disrespected on behalf of the trust. So you're. Was, 
your 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 argument about the odds shouldn't matter then, right? It shouldn't matter what the odds are, correct? Because oh, you no. voters are so good and pure that you could see through all that. I'm not saying that has any effect on the vote. I'm merely telling you the way we've seen the popular sentiment go and the conversation around all these players, right? This last week, what do we have? Bo Nix take a massive jump in his Heisman odds coming off a game where the national audience finally had to reckon with Bo Nix because they were playing the Colorado team that had been the story of the season. It's going to be very similar with USC this coming week and round and round we go. What I'm saying is, no, you, you can throw all that out. I'm going to tell you how the coverage cycle is going to go because I also work in this job. But uh, from a voting perspective, I always enjoy seeing And Dad, this is the same way when you scout guys getting ready for the NFL, right? What do you do when you're going to go back and watch a player getting ready for the draft coming up in April and May is you want to see what they look like against other NFL caliber players, right. what they right. look like against the best competition. And that's what we're getting ready for in the meat of this Pac-12 schedule. And speaking of the Pac-12 schedule, I mean, six ranked teams in the top 20. U.S., wow. since we're talking about those two quarterbacks, their teams, USC still plays ND, Utah, Washington, Oregon. Yeah. Washington still plays Oregon, USC, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State. I mean... This is one of those where, man, is are all the teams going to end up with two losses and find themselves on the outside looking in when one or two of these teams could be good enough to be there at the end? We'll see. But it also made me start looking at the quarterbacks overall. If it's these two for Heisman, listen, uh, Sam Hartman, if they could have won that game, I think mm. he'd be right there because – you know, his 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 rating is right there as one of the top in the country, and he has 14 touchdowns, no interceptions. Shadour Sanders, we were talking about him after week one. He's you done. know, he has 11 touchdowns and one interception. His rating's a little lower. But the number that I noticed, Shadour Sanders has been sacked the most of any quarterback in yeah. the country. He has been sacked 22 times. God knows how many more hits right. that is. Well, we knew going in to the Oregon game he had been hit 55 times and God knows he was hit a bunch in that game. So the beating that he is taking and the, the expectation for him to hold up for all the work that he has to do, because we know the emphasis for Colorado has to be on both lines of scrimmage, but that just stood out to me as he's been having a really a hell of a year just to see how, how much he has been just knocked around in that pocket. Shadur Sanders, I felt I legitimately felt bad for in the midst of that Oregon game. He's a phenomenal player, but he couldn't breathe without someone nope. in a green jersey punching him in the chest during the course of that game. And that is going to be the challenge from here on out as they hit the meat of the Pac-12 schedule is just, can he be upright long enough to do the great things he's done? I've always said... When you scout Shadur Sanders, he's not a true dual threat quarterback. He's mobile right. enough to get you right. out of some trouble, but he's not going to outrun a lot of these backside defenders. He's not going to scamper off a ton and make plays like that happen. He's much more of a pocket passer, a buy time and keep his eyes downfield kind of guy, but you still need some time to make that happen. And we'll see. You know, we saw uh, Deion Sanders posted the video receiving the text message from Travis Hunter about right. how he's got to be back out there oh, and playing. Yeah. He told him, I love you more than I love what we need from you on this team. But eventually, if you get Travis Hunter back out there, you've got so many weapons on offense, you can try and reverse engineer this thing and offset some of that line conversation. But, Dad, there's no doubt it is an uphill battle for him, especially in this conversation now as the uptick in competition hits. Yeah, completely agree. And, and keeping Travis Hunter off the field is the right thing to do. That's a smart move by Deion Sanders. Absolutely. Coming up next, we'll see who else may be on or off the field heading in to another weekend of NFL games next year on Gojo and Golik. 
Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr. Uh, Dad, before we get to some injuries, uh, a podcast that may break records got dropped today. New Heights with Jason and Travis Kelsey finally talking about the Taylor Swift appearance at the Chiefs game this weekend. We will get more to that off the top of the next hour as Charlotte Wilder joins us here. Uh, Very excited to get into all the details there. But, Dad... Not a lot I've seen yet from the quotes coming out that I can really take from this. Travis just talked about how cool it was seeing the reception she got from everybody up there in the booth, them driving in the getaway car going after. We heard about the spot that they apparently rented in downtown Kansas City after where Taylor and Travis's family and teammates all went and partied there. So sounds like a pretty good setup overall, but I'm still waiting for something revelatory to come from a podcast that's going to break download records. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know if we're going to get that from them that they're like officially dating. I don't know if it's going to go down that road. It, 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 so that was a pretty casual thing, it seemed, and kind of, you know, seeing which way the wind blows on this one. I don't I don't know where it goes, but God knows I know you and Charlotte are going to love to talk about it. I know I'll get a, a break at the beginning of next hour because you guys will be jumping all over this thing. Dad, I, I did see a couple of my buddies in Marshall Newhouse and Gabe Eichert over on X- Sirius XM Big 12 Radio did ask the question, and I'm going to ask Charlotte this, but I'd ask you, you get to rent out one restaurant for a night, bring over your significant other, all your friends, your teammates, whoever there, and you get to take it over, do you got a restaurant that you'd have off the top? Probably. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a really good question. It'd probably be a place uh, in Scottsdale. Uh, um, There's a really cool place called the living room, which is very chill, very laid back couches, chairs, I, we we, we kind of love going and just it's a great hang place. And that's what you're doing really here. Right. You just want a place to kind of hang. That's right off the top of my head. Uh, I, I could call that. I, or, I do appreciate that when we did this in fast food that off the top of your head, you default to the most hyper specific, which apparently, <laughs> again, in this case with Travis Kelsey, it was a very specific <laughs> local place that they yeah. ended up going there as opposed to picking. And the producer, I got to give a shout out, John Lundbridge. Uh, John Lund, who's the producer for them, <laughs> offered up this, a Taco Bell cantina, mm. the Taco Bell that you can drink at. Yes. See, oh, that's yes. an enlightened pick. I was uh, going to say, oh, my God, it's <sighs> it's perfect because you get a little sauce later on. You get a little yeah. drunk and you're right there next to the well, food that you were already going to eat yeah, once and, you were wasted. And you don't want to go to a sweat. Like, like the place I'm talking about is very laid back. You don't want to go to any kind of highfalutin place at all, even though everybody there could afford that. 
you know, I, I, I don't want the white tablecloths and the nice no. you know, silverware out there. You know, g- give me, give me the table, the, the paper. You want that you good can vibes. On. Yeah, you want good I vibes. Want you want good energy, like like a Chili's or an Outback. Oh man, a ch- I was thinking too, because you always get dinner and a show. A Waffle House. Yes, Dad, oh, I feel like that. There right he is. Your alley. Bring the yep. homies to, a, and it's got honestly the setup. It's a nice open floor plan for the most part, so I feel like <laughs> you get the best chance to cross pollinate vibes. Let me tell you, if you could just keep kicking out Waffle House waffles, the only problem is they're not very big, and if you're inviting the team there, I don't know how well that's going to go. What What was interesting is the place that he rented out. They there were customers in it. They 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 had to shoo them out. I think by eight o'clock was the time they were shoo, actually shoo, going shoo, around shoo. telling people you have to be out by eight. And when it was getting close to eight o'clock, those that still had food on the table, the waiters and waitresses were actually walking around with boxes for them to box up their food to get the hell out. So they, I mean, they were serious about you need to get out. And and they the, the, they interviewed somebody who was in there, and we asked. He said we asked the server. Is this where, because we heard the rumors that they were going to go out, Taylor and Kelsey, after the game. Are they coming here? And the, they said the waiter said, I cannot confirm nor deny that. But you, but either way, you got to go. So they booted everybody, passed around boxes to go, and got them out of there. Would that make you feel better, at least on the back end, that you got kicked out for Taylor Swift? Because if it yes. came out the next day that it was anybody else, yeah. I'd have been hot. I'm not yeah. a guy that leaves Yelp ratings, but that would have probably prompted a pretty bad Yelp review well, or two if it had been anyone else but her. One of the things they they did, too, is they have like a sister bar that was close to there, and they gave everybody there a bunch of free drinks to say, uh, okay, okay, we're, we're mm. making a leave here, but go over there. Drinks are on us. So it seems like they handled it pretty well. But yeah, I, I said there wouldn't have a problem. I don't know how far down the list of celebrity we would get to yeah. to where you would say, you know what? I'm offended at this. They booted us for this person. Damn. I, I don't even know if I want to start bringing up names, but uh, th- th- there's got to be a line somewhere, right? The menu at this place is pretty impressive. Like, they've got some really delicious-looking sushi. There is some pizza options. Prime sliders, their sliders are $6 each, which both Kelsey and Taylor Swift can't afford. But Wait, some of the usual. Or, yeah, or each the three six, sliders. That's the price of a burger. $6 dollars each. Golic, prime sliders. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then there's the spinach and artichoke dip. That's fourteen dollars. Yeah, but Trumple I mean, fries are eleven. Dip, yeah, yeah Let no, me no. tell you what. Yeah, wow, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. They have a twenty-four carat cake truffle, warm <laughs> chocolate chip cookie. We're in the sweet tooth department of the menu, and then a Manhattan chocolate drop, and that's four dollars each. The other one I would offer here as a place that would be great for this would be a hibachi restaurant. Dude, oh, oh my God. Yes. And you could get Britney Spears with her butcher knives, like pre- oh, wow. preparing the onion volcano for you. Oh, it, someone it, needs to get those dogs out of there. It, it, it does bring up the point because you, you're talking about prices. At, at, when is the last time Taylor Swift looked at the price of anything? And, and I Years. guess Travis Kelsey for a, a while too, but. More her. When when have you ever looked at the price tag? Hell, my own daughter doesn't look at price tags. So I can't even imagine <laughs> that Taylor Swift hasn't looked at a price tag since she was probably 10. No, it's a beautiful, Shout out it's to a Sydney. beautiful thing. Shout out to Sydney. Yeah, Listen, whatever, Emerald, she's eating right now. It. She's eating for two. Yeah, don't encourage it. Speaking of uh, injuries and finances, let's look at some injuries in the NFL. <laughs> Dad, Derek Carr looking unlikely for this weekend with the sprained AC joint. Saquon Barkley considered day-to-day for the Giants right now. But I think as important as anything, Dad, Bryce Young 
right now. Status still uncertain. And for him and Anthony Richardson, who's still in the concussion protocol, these are valuable reps as rookies that you really want to see him get all of, especially in the Anthony Richardson camp. The whole point of getting him out there was, yeah, you want to take your lumps early, unfortunately, not physically, to get these guys as up to speed as possible so you can reap the benefits in the coming years. I I get that in the long run, but in the small picture, I am kind of happy Andy Dalton may still be the quarterback this week. Because last week to Adam Thielen, 14 reception or 11 receptions on 14 targets, 145 yards. You know why? Do you know who Carolina plays this week? They play Minnesota. So you don't think Adam Thielen wants to have himself a game against his former team, a team that didn't want him anymore? And, Ad, and Andy Dalton was getting the ball to him. I am taking our Sunday, you know, game that we play amongst our group. For DraftKings of fantasy football, I will be. I'm just saying right now, I will be taking Adam Thielen. He is going really? to want to have a game. This one is at Carolina. The Minnesota defense has nothing to write home about, and you don't know Dalton is going to target him if he's in there playing. So, yeah, Thielen is going to want his in his this game. Boy, I, I I don't know. I just don't know physically how much gas Adam Thielen has left in the tank for that. But again, for this, his former team, I guarantee you, he's going to have a lot of gas. Yep. I mean, he might, but those are also a bunch of guys that know him too. Like, we do this all the time in coaching and playing matchups where they're like, oh, but this guy was an assistant somewhere and he's got experience. Like, they know him too, and that could be a dangerous game for them. But it's also dead to that point there. Like, it would be fun. I love a good revenge game as much as anybody else. But unfortunately for the Panthers at this point, even good production doesn't really benefit you in the long term from Andy Dalton right now. Like, right. No, I agree. Being a good football team this year, sans Bryce Young, really isn't going to help the cause there when your future's been decided at that position and really the overall trajectory of the franchise now. Th- this is just me selfishly wanting Thielen this week and seeing him play against his former team. Because as I've always said, whether it's amicable or not, when you play your former team, there's a little more juice to it for you. But you're right. At the end of the day, you want Bryce Young to get the reps, uh, whether he gets his nose bloodied, you know, his eyes watered, whatever happens. But you also, if he's out now, you want to make sure he's right before you get him back in the game. Because the most important thing is for him to get reps this year and not have anything lingering throughout the year. So make sure he is right. If he's not, let Andy Dalton play for a couple of games if need be. Uh, but, But I still think Bryce Young, barring any more injury, is going to get the majority of the snaps this year. He's going to be a name people are looking at. Jameis Winston, Devon A-Chain or A-Chan. I think he's trying to change the pronunciation. It's A-Chan now, Mike. It's A-Chan. You might be picking them up on the waiver wire. We're picking up Charlotte Wilder as we hit into hour number two here next on Gojo and Golik.